0: Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Washington. It's 7.30 in the morning. I'm barely awake. I haven't even finished my cup of coffee. And so yeah, I'm full of animosity and hatred. Oregon. Kenny Wayne wait to get a score? Can Wayne to get a score? This is an Oregon versus Washington week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by Grillworks Supply Company, Off Hall Boulevard in Beaverton. Come tailgate at the largest grilling retailer center in the Pacific Northwest this Saturday, or visit them online at GrillworksPdx.com. This game ain't gonna be
1: played in Hollywood. It's gonna be played on the grass. Oregon versus Washington week with Dirt and Spray on 1080 The Fan.
2: Hey, let's do this final hour, Dirt and Spray here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan 99. HD 2, the Odyssey app. Happy hate week, everybody. <laughs> Swag hates the uh, team up north more than your team. You hate the Huskies more than you hate the Ducks?
0: It's much harder to root for the Huskies than the Ducks.
1: Wow. <laughs> it's an odd thing to say as somebody who grew up an
2: Oregon State fan. That is a very, yeah, that's yeah. very strange. That's... I mean, I think his your perspective is different than ours because of your age. I don't mean that as like a joke but you you live through the dominance of Washington? I went to and I went I did to games
0: up that cuz I was going to school when they won their national or split their national championship. Yeah. And they didn't win one. They had the big I one. mean it was a great atmosphere. I remember I went to a game they hosted Texas A&M like to first or second week of the season. And I can't remember if it was the year of the split national championship or the year before, but yeah, I mean
1: well, that old stadium used to get so loud that they were worried it would just collapse on itself. Oh,
0: yeah. the old thir- I was up in the third tier, and, yeah, it moves yeah. when it's full 78,000, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my goodness.
2: This <laughs> is not safe, man. Well, I'm waiting for the Husky thank you notes for allowing game day to come back to Seattle because they only go when organs in town. So you're welcome, and uh, have fun with the exposure on Saturday and all the bodacious signs that'll be there at uh, game day.
1: We, uh, we didn't get to that last week. What? the follow-up on the old game day beef. Ah,
2: yeah. You know? There was there was comments, and then uh, I don't know if you saw the Big Nooner. The Big Nooner was supporting Washington State this weekend, which is hilarious because Fox is also as much to blame for the conference realignment reshuffle as anybody. They paid Oregon and Washington to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten. They're the ones that ponied up that money. But no, don't worry. The Big Nooner supports you, Washington State. They'll fly the flag on their show. It's like mom and dad sending you to private school, <laughs> boarding
1: school, and they, they take you to the airport. Mom's quiet the whole time. Time, Dad's the one trying to explain things. You hate your dad, but your mom also secretly agreed to this. <laughs> <She> That's Fox. <laughs> yeah. They are like, "Hey, yeah, we kind of destroyed you too, but we'll wave the flag and be happy oh. with Urban Meyer next to us."
2: So we were talking about bad coaching decisions in Mario and what he did on Saturday. They got a big one this weekend, man. I, you, you, had mentioned earlier on the show there was a video of one of their offensive linemen screaming, "What the f are we doing?" He was crying. He like, was pissed. Like, what are we? How did we lose that game? You should be five and zero. They're going on the road to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina this week weekend if you lose and things don't go well you know who they got the week after that by the way is there Clemson game Clemson at home like you're looking at a stretch here where if you're all of a sudden four and three and that does not count games later in the season at NC State at Florida State and at home against Louisville like this thing could Dude, hit the side you could of a lose mountain.
1: Almost all
2: of those games. I just look, what I disagree with most is the coaching decision is inexcusable. Right. Like that's just there's no reason, there's no argument. There's like that's just your head is so far up your ass that you don't have the ability to realize this is a bad decision and we just need to take a knee. What honestly pissed me off more, or would piss me off more if I'm a a Miami fan, if that's me as a head coach and I make that decision for whatever reason. What's, what's your message when you walk up to the podium to talk to the reporters after the game? Oh, see, I, I, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm going to disagree with you. I think I'm more concerned, what is your message to your team? Because well, this is when, my larger point. When you catch the player on the bench, quite literally asking, what the F are we doing? Yes, you're going to lose a locker room, potentially. Everybody on that team, I think, knew exactly what the game was, except their head coach, who's getting paid $100 million. Yes. And you want me to start listening to you? Like, I'm sorry. I, I knew what was happening in the game. <laughs> you completely checked out and didn't know what, what was happening. I don't even know if, if nobody asked him about it. Would Mario have even apologized and he acknowledged, had brief, acknowledged it? Yeah, he
2: had a brief line at the start saying we probably should have taken a knee. But if somebody didn't follow up, you wouldn't have gotten the extended answer. Well, that's kind of my point with him, though, right?
1: Like this Barry Jackson, who has been brought up many a time here in Portland because he's the, quote, biased Miami guy. Man, he... Killed killed Cristobal on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, he did. He was like, maybe if you didn't care so much about how many times your assistants talked to reporters and cared more about clock management, you wouldn't be in this disgraceful situation. And he's right. A lot of the times, guys like Mario, and there's a lot of them in that sport, they care far more. Lincoln Riley, you can throw him into this a little bit, too. They care more about the optics and the access and who's around then they do the actual game part sometimes, yep. and that drives me crazy. Hey, Lincoln Riley, don't worry about what a SoCal beat writer did, making a really nice story from one of your freshman players. Why don't you fire your defensive coordinator even after winning because we
2: all know he's going to cost you a game at some point. <laughs> should have been this weekend. <laughs> yes, it should have been. You're knocking on that door. I, I think your point connects to what I was going at, and that is, like, I, if I'm the head coach in that situation, I walk up to the podium and I say, look – This is inexcusable. This is 100% on me. I'm the head coach. I have to be better than that. This will not happen again. Like, you have to be almost emphatic in owning that mistake. And he was not. He was the same grimacing, I'm going to scowl at you and look angry and give you a short answer. It's anyway, We got to be better. We got to coach it better. Like, the same cliche crap. Like, Dude, that was so bad that you have the you have the chance of losing a locker room over a call like that. There was just a uh, on Shannon Sharp's podcast, I think it was last week, Marshawn Lynch was on it. And it was interesting to hear his take on the end of Seattle and Russ and Pete and all those guys. He had a line in that podcast though where he said after the the goal line interception. Which is another one that goes in the Hall of Fame of bad coaching decisions of that, just run the football. That cost him that run. That was it. It was over after that. They would have won a second Super Bowl, and they might have won another one after that. That team was absolutely loaded. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch said he walked up to Pete Carroll literally after that play and laughed in his face. And just walked to the side, like laughed at him. Like, yeah. really? Really? That's what you're going to call it? And what happened in that Seattle locker room? It splintered. They it lost did. guys. That was the end of that dynasty. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're Mario Cristobal man, you got to grab the bull by the horns and take the onus 100% on yourself. And I immediately went to find his post-game press conference on YouTube because I'm like, I can't wait to see what this dude has to say. It's one thing if it happens five years ago and it's the only time it's ever happened to you and you want to dance around it, like, whatever. You can say that that's an outlier. Now that this has happened a second time and this is circulating and fans are questioning and your players are questioning, like, dude, you have to point the finger solely at yourself. You're the one that lost that game. Your team didn't play great. That's fine. But they were in a position to win in a, what, 20 to 16 game with 30 seconds to go and I didn't feel like he did that and I cannot wait to see how his team and how he responds because the next two games at North Carolina Clemson are pivotal they could be staring at four and three in the matter of two weeks oh it's, it's absolutely a possibility we knew this at
1: Oregon even with the success that he had was he's just prone to creating game plans and once the game plan gets kind of altered or changed he's kind of stuck He's almost like the horse in the never-ending story. You can pull him out of the mud. You can try, but he ain't moving. He's sinking and he's sinking and he's sinking. You see this in real time. Every time with him. He he had this last year, actually. He had this against Texas A&M at A&M. That game was pretty close. It was low scoring, but it was a close game. He had the ball, I want to say, with two-something left. They're down eight. He punted. What are you doing? (laughs) Guess what happened? They didn't win the game. I just he he shows this to the point where I question and go, is this dude ever gonna be able to do it again, he knows what to do get the Jimmys and the Joes okay he landed another recruit this weekend too, which I chuckled I'm, out of like even after that, you're still committing, okay <laughs> I'm sure that look I'm sure the talent's not gonna I, th- I bet it's gonna get better but but the, but my point is, can you win with that kind of coaching? can yeah. you win with a coach who in the moment has no idea what's happening Yeah. and I think he has a lot of these moments where he's just his, I don't know if it's brain broken. I don't know if he is so worked up and so amped and pissed that he's not thinking clearly. But I saw it at Oregon and you saw it
2: this weekend. He he just can't sometimes piece things together in game. He didn't again on Saturday, and that was as embarrassing as they come. It was not the end of the coaching blunders, though, and we need to get to what happened Saturday night in Los Angeles. So this, this was your Pac-12 after dark delight. Because Oregon State, Cal, like Oregon State pulled away. It was a little tight there at moments in, this, in the first half, but eventually you're like, alright, this game's over. Oregon State's gonna win it uh, going away. And then we had the, the treat of Pac-12 after dark living up to all of its hype and its glory. Arizona and USC. What do we make a USC's defense? Is Lincoln Riley ever going to learn his lessons? Also, Jed Fish, man, buddy, what are you doing? Let's get into that game and the rest of the college football weekend, including a Washington State loss on the road at UCLA. uh, Next on the fam.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports.
2: clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bitch.
0: Music. You
2: set my world
0: on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Well, packed off after dark, soon to be R.I.P., but it lived up to the hype again on Saturday. Yeah, to just become Big Ten after dark or or Big Twelve after dark. Very true, very true. Uh, USC and Arizona. This was one. I saw the point spread last week, even on vacation. I was like, I got to make sure to get my picks in. And I saw this one and I thought, wait, what? That's what we said, too. Why is this an 18 point spread? Uh, USC, I don't think, should be favored over 18 against anybody right now. Oh, it wasn't 18. When we did it, it was 21.5. It was 21.5. And a half. Holy. Me and Swag were
1: like, we could see them winning by 20, but their defense. Mm. Sucks. So we're going to take all those points. This
2: is three straight weeks, man. Two weeks ago, you had them let Arizona State hang around, and Arizona State didn't have a competent quarterback in that game. It was 42-28, I want to say, was the final. Two weeks ago, or last week, it was the Colorado debacle where they gave up 500-plus yards of offense and allowed Colorado into the game. It was a one-score final. Then Saturday night, you get Arizona with a backup quarterback, who there's a whole other angle that we can get to on that as the week goes on, coming to town. And this is the last of your quote-unquote easy portion of the schedule. Right. They get Notre Dame next week and then things ratchet up from there for USC going forward. And they were luckier in hell to survive. Million different angles to go down here. But I will start with the most obvious one. Is Lincoln Riley ever going to learn his lesson? I think he'll be forced to when they have a disappointing end
1: to this season. Now, Caleb Williams is always kind of the outlier for this. And it's why I tell Duck fan, Husky fan, any fan, really, Like, you might look at USC and go, ha, 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 that defense is awful. We're going to win. All right, well, you better hope Caleb doesn't have the ball with the game on the line because that's a dude that I just think scares everybody. That throw he made, by the way, that Rice dropped. That was an insane throw. Like, in the moment, you're like, okay, kind of a tough – I mean, that is a tough catch. But you watch the replay and see how precise he was with where it was located. Oh, my God. He – I – I still am not over your Drake May comment, and you might be right, but damn, this—I mean, is Caleb's good. a better college quarterback. I won't
2: disregard that at all.
1: Oh, I think these are NFL throws. I think these yeah. throws we're seeing him make are unbelievably
2: placed. But I worry about his size, his durability, sure. and will this, will that style of play work in the NFL when you're playing with crap all around you? Hey, USC, come back with ten million dollars next
1: year to be in the Big Ten. He yeah. might do it, but um, I, I just, I think he's going to have to be forced his hand. Like his hands going to have to be forced for him to make this. I. I'm stunned he's still the D coordinator, Alex Grinch. Like, how can you have this many weeks in a row?
2: Your defense has all these transfers in, and they still look this bad. The secondary is atrocious. You have up 300 yards in the air and 200 yards on the ground Saturday. I, that's Fafita. I mean, Fafita. <laughs> I love Fafita. He's great. He's better
1: than Delora. Fafita almost beat USC and jumped out to a 17-point lead. That kid was dealing them out. I I just don't think he'll do it until they either have a disappointing end of the year, which is knocked out a Pac-12 title game, lose Pac-12 t- uh, title game, or lose in playoff. I just don't believe you'll win a def- uh, a championship with that defense. And so either USC forces his hand going to the Big Ten, like, hey, we're not beating Michigan, Ohio State with this defense, and he has to do it, or he has a setback in a game that he probably shouldn't. And so will he. He hasn't so far, but I think eventually he'll be forced to.
2: Yeah, this is the the always been the concern for me for Lincoln Riley. Like we look at what Dabo is doing at Clemson right now and we we openly mock it, and rightfully so. Like he is shutting off a pipeline of a way to improve his team over nothing but stubborn pride of like, I want to recruit my guys, I want to develop my guys. And we laugh at that because it's dumb and he's not evolving with the sport, he's not learning from his lessons. I look at Lincoln Riley and I just I would love to ask him, like, how many examples do you need of not caring about defense and realizing that it eventually bites you in the ass to look in the mirror and say, I should probably care more about that side of the football? Like, I think people have boiled this down to an Alex Grinch problem, and I think that is a part of it. Don't get me wrong. I think firing him would be a reasonable course of action going forward. But it's also a head coach that just doesn't prioritize that side of the football. He never has. They've never played good defense under him. And I did, like how many examples do we need to see of them not playing complimentary football and it eventually biting him to realize, like, dude, I should probably go about this a different way. This clearly is not working. I have the best player in the entire sport right now. Caleb Williams is the best player in college football, I don't even know if it's close. He might... He honestly...
1: He's getting me off my opinion that we're never going to have a back-to-back Heisman Trophy He winner. could do it this year. Unbelievably good this year.
2: That two-point conversion play was like a swinging gate. Just hike it to him and go do something. Like, I don't even know what that play call was. It was just hike it to him and run around. I couldn't believe he got past the defender. <laughs> I'm like, it's an easy stop, and he got past him and put the ball across the pylon. It was nuts, but they might not win the conference this year with the best player in the sport because their defense can't stop
1: anybody. And here is the... <laughs> the real problem of it right like what does it boil down to well one it's stubbornness by lincoln but yep. two it, it's his d coordinator yep. they added bear alexander from georgia they added christian rollin wallace from arizona and they added anthony lucas from texas a&m they added mason cobb mm-hmm. Jarrett kingston michael tarquin jack sullivan i mean they basically rebuilt their entire team. keon defense. bars like grinch begged give me more talent i can do it and Lincoln said, okay, we'll do it. They won the portal race. They were the number one recruiting team from the transfer portal in those rankings. They were almost all four-star uh, players from other programs, and they all look like two-star uh, two-star defense. I just I don't know what to make of it other than this is a clear Grinch problem. And I said this after ASU. I'm going to say it again after Arizona. It doesn't happen often.
2: But I would have fired this dude after a win. I'd been like, "Are you kidding me?" After the ASU game, I would say we we they just like basically ran the wildcat and scored 28 points. ASU is
1: dead last in in <laughs> offensive scoring output. Arizona's like eighth. These are not great offenses. Yeah. We think they are. They're not. And these this defense is making these teams look better. What's Oregon gonna do? What's Washington gonna do? whoever else is on their schedule. Notre Dame starting this weekend. I think they're going to lose to Notre Dame because even though Notre Dame looked like crap. Who? They should be. Yeah, Irish is like two-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, they should. It's it's in South Bend, like, and that defense sucks.
0: I, I just... I don't Sam know if Harmon's going to carve him up. He if should. They, if he gets protected.
2: Yeah, you're, you got the wounded animal thing there with Notre Dame coming off a tough loss. Like, that's the last thing you probably wanted. To the notes on USC's defensive statistics, they have played cupcakes all year. Like, what's their toughest? Is Colorado, there, Arizona, maybe their toughest game? Arizona or Colorado, probably? I, I think it's yeah. Colorado because it was at Colorado. They are, the, just in terms of yards per game, they're 10th in the conference. The only defense is worse than them this year are Colorado and Stanford. Yes. 10th. Yeah. Like, that's that's awful. They're yeah. worse than, like, Cal, they're worse than Cal. They're worse than Arizona State. They're worse than Arizona. They're worse than Wazoo. They're worse than, like, it's a, it's a horrible defense. And you were hoping that they were going to take a step this year if you were a USC fan. And it just was just blown away again watching a backup quarterback torch him for five touchdowns during that game. I also don't want to let the other side off the hook here. So making fun of USC is fun, and I will do that with anybody anytime they want to. We also need to point the finger at Jed Fish here. Like, that was embarrassing the way that game ended. Great job getting your team ready to play. Great game plan throughout. But to not go for two at the end of the game when you have a chance to win it when Caleb Williams is the opposing quarterback, just what what are we doing? You're an 18, 20-point underdog go for the jugular. He also didn't know the overtime rules. So they scored in the second overtime, and he sent out the PAT group. He didn't know that you had to he go He didn't team know team. that they had to go for two, so they had to use a timeout in that moment, yeah. and it ended up biting them because he didn't realize it. And then on the play where USC used the swinging gate, he could have put his team out there, or excuse me, could have called a timeout when he realized that USC was giving them a funky look of like, what are they going to do? Let's call a timeout and talk it over. He had to use his timeout because he didn't know the rules of overtime in college football
1: i think a lot of this when we talk coaching it's so easy for us to get on a microphone and talk about oh you you how do you not do this or how do you not know that and i i will acknowledge because i have a lot of expertise here i coached i i coached fifth grade girls basketball last year you're well experienced i know what it's like to be in in the kitchen high pressure situations high high leverage eight to six game two minutes left in the fourth quarter i understand what that's like all the eyeballs on you during a timeout you got to draw something up I'll tell you right now, Susan's going to let you know post-game <laughs> if if her Becky didn't play, okay? I know oh, what gosh! this life is like. <laughs> that being said, there, these are just moments where I'm amazed how much the, – these guys are the highest-paid state employees, and they have no idea what's happening, what feels like half the time. The format of the sport. And, oh, by the way, the one thing you didn't even name, because all the other things you named were valid – you were innovative and smart almost the entire night. Your offense caught USC's defense sleeping. Fafita, my God, Fafita <laughs> was great. How was that, your two-point conversion play to yeah, tie just, it? A toss sweep. A toss sweep? You're six yards out and you're making it an obvious toss? Yeah. That was one of the worst endings in choice, uh, play-calling choices I've seen. Jetfish, any other coach at any level, you're on the road. You're a massive underdog. Time is expired. Go for two. What? what where do they put them at the two uh, for a two-point conversion? Is three yard, yard line? Three yard line in college. Three yards is your make or break. You don't have a, a page of three yard plays that you trust enough to go. No, we're beating USC at USC. Let's go for it right now. I don't know. They probably lost Elijah Rushing in the recruiting race before this game was done. That's how this stuff works. But you're telling me you got guys like him on the line committed to your program? You don't want to say, hey, we go for the jugular at Arizona. We're going to beat USC at USC. I hated it, and I've hated it watching it in the NFL. I saw it a week ago with Washington and Philly. Saw it again this weekend with Arizona at USC. Go for the win. Go for the win. I love it. Can it backfire? Yeah, it can. You lost anyway.
2: Go for the win. Oh, I, I'm with you 100 there. I, I will add this too because I one of our P ones, and I saw a tweet about this, and this was kind of a theme on social media. Oklahoma got a big win this weekend in a in a different style in which we're used to seeing Oklahoma play. Their defense looked pretty good, forcing turnovers, playing physical. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, Oklahoma should be hat like well, what a great weekend for them." Lincoln Riley still can't coach defense, and look what Brent Venables did. I just I understand the take. I want to give it time. <laughs> Like, let's like Lincoln Riley, look, I will criticize him as much as anybody, and his not understanding that you have to play defense to win at the highest level is baffling to me, and it, it's going to bite them year after year after year until he learns his lesson. He also took them to the college football playoff a couple times. Like, he had a lot of success. Let's see where Brent Venables goes. I'm not going to – Lincoln Riley also beat Texas, so let's just see where the rest of the season goes. Oh, yeah, when he was down like
1: three touchdowns. He did. He switched quarterbacks and came back and beat him a couple of years ago. That's the thing with Lincoln is
2: you can have your criticisms, but he's accomplished more than a lot of the coaches we yeah. – I mean, I just don't take him seriously as a national title contender until they learn how to play defense. They're just they, – you can't do it at the highest level. And, and I tend to agree with the same thinking. This quarterback, though, I know
1: this was a Jed Fish-Lincoln conversation – how do we how do we rank what we're watching? We're watching historical stuff.
2: He's one of the greatest of all time in college football. He
1: has to be in that conversation. Yeah. It's unbelievable where he can throw a football at launch angle and the way his body's angled and his team's not very good and yet here he is like single-handedly carrying the team. Getting the game clinching victory as his defense can't stop a nosebleed. Yep,
2: yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts on the Cougs. We haven't talked much about them. They went on the road and it did, it did not go well for them in Los Angeles on Saturday. So a couple of thoughts on that, and then I want to get into the MLB playoffs. Is everybody else feeling the way that I'm feeling? We'll get to that stuff coming up next in the uh, next half hour. It's been a-
0: It's one thing falling in love with a house and quite another navigating the world of negotiating mortgage lenders and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a realtor can make all the difference because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
2: One last point on USC, Arizona, and then we'll move on. I was reminded of how much I hate the new college football overtime rules. They're going for two. You can think, uh Edo and Jimbo. Yeah, they had one 10 overtime game or whatever, how many stupid overtimes it went, and they thought, let's change the whole thing. So yeah. we almost had a team eliminated from the college football playoff because they had to run two-point conversions over and over and over again.
1: What is the reasoning for it too? Isn't is it, is it
2: safety? With safety, safety of the games going too yeah. long, but we're going to also expand the college football playoff and add more games uh, overall that the best teams will play. So now you're up to fifteen or sixteen. But God forbid you have to go to four overtimes. You're not going to survive that. Also, the clock doesn't stop unless it's under the two minutes. So <laughs> add that big hit you just took. Get your ass up and get to the line and hurry. <laughs> we got to right. score. That's right. Um, Washington State, my Cougs went on the road to UCLA this weekend. And I took UCLA primarily because I just I think Washington State's a different team on the road than they are at home. This was their first kind of tough road test, if you will. Their other big wins had come at home. Wisconsin and Oregon State were both up in Pullman. They went on the road, and it, it was not pretty. The final score was not lo- that lopsided, 25-17 the final. I thought that was not indicative at all of how one-sided that game was. And if Washington State doesn't have a 97-yard pick six at the end of the first half, I think they get ran out of the building there. Cam Ward was 19 of 39 for 197 yards through two picks. Bad Cam Ward showed up. Yep. I, look, when I talked about Washington State being a sleeper, it was more so just a good team that nobody's really talking about coming into the year, not that they're a viable or legitimate Pac-12 title contender, just because I think the top is 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 really tough to compete with this year in the Pac-12. What do we make of the Cougs going on the road in a, a pretty rough showing from my boy Cam Ward? Well, when you text the Pac-12 picks, we did think it was funny
1: that you picked UCLA. We're like, yeah.
2: wow, he's already
1: abandoned the sleeper pick. Okay. So I, think,
2: I still think Washington State's a good team. Yeah. I think they're going to be feisty and pull off an upset maybe somewhere. I hope it's not my team because they're – playing them for the Washington game are they at Eugene? it's in Eugene yeah see I think that's the thing that we're learning right
1: like as um Cam Ward for me is a good football player having a great year he he played so poorly and you're and you're right like the pick six was funny because you saw the score and you went oh
2: their defense has given nothing up to Washington State, but yeah. here we are, UCLA losing now. It was nine to three, and if they score a touchdown there, they go into the locker room sixteen to three. UCLA's got the lead or seventeen, because they probably 17. go for two. Instead, they were yeah. down ten to nine, throwing a hundred yard pick six.
1: Right, uh, that's where Dante Moore coming to Corvallis, and I think playing other teams leaves maybe fan base is a little optimistic. Yeah. They can beat UCLA, even though UCLA has a stout defense right now and one of the best players defensively in the country. in Latu, I just. Washington state has a little bit of the Oregon state thing. And it's funny because they're both the state schools who are abandoned by conference. You need to win a real road game. It's one thing to go play at home and be feisty and pull the upset and win games where you're underdogs. I think it's an entirely other thing to do it on the road. When you want to be taken seriously as a contender, like a true contender, both these programs need to win games of note on the road. And so far, either have really shown they can travel against top-tier teams on the road. It's one thing to beat Cal. I think it's another to go to UCLA, go to Utah, go to Eugene, go to Seattle, yep. go to these places, USC, and win those road games. And Washington State had that opportunity, and they could not capitalize on it. UCLA ends up running away. They were a more physical team. They dominated them defensively. I'm with you. I don't think the score indicates the difference.
2: You never felt encouraged about Washington State? No, they had no... I mean, they were 2-13 of on third down. They had 11 first downs the entire game. You were just hoping Dante Moore would make
1: multiple mistakes, I think, to keep you in it and maybe pull an upset. But that's the thing with Oregon State and Washington State. They, They haven't won a big, big, true road game for them yet,
2: and that's what they're missing. We're also talking about flaws this morning in teams. I think Washington State showed theirs, and that is they are unbalanced entirely on offense. They're rushing numbers in this game against UCLA. They attempted 12 rushes. Yeah, they didn't even try. They had 19 rushing yards. That's a half a yard a carry, like 0. .6 yards per carry. 12 carries for 19 yards as a team. Well, it's yeah, not well, one it's, and a half yards. Not yeah. to
1: excuse them, it's poor, but like, th- it's just not the system they run. That's, they don't
0: run. I've never seen Cam Ward, since he's been to Washington State, look that confused. He was totally flustered. Like, he did not know where to throw the football. Uh, go watch
1: the Oregon State game last year. He had a, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying because yeah. of my team. He, they lost like 39 to 10 or 31 10?
2: it was twenty four to ten. Twenty 10 yeah. Like go look at Cam Ward's numbers. Truly awful on the road. They were doubled up yardage. UCLA four seventy to Washington State's two sixteen. Like that that's just tough. To your point about them winning a big road game and proving it. They're, I mean they'll have chances. They're they're more di- most difficult games remaining are on the road, and they're against Oregon and they're against Washington. They get Arizona at home. You're also on the road against ASU and Cal. I think those are winnable games. I don't view those as marquee wins. You get Arizona and Colorado mm. at home. A super under-the-radar game for me this weekend. I'm obviously jacked for Oregon and Washington. A a good find-out game, I think, about Oregon State and UCLA and a fun showdown Saturday night or Saturday evening, I should say, in Corvallis. Arizona going on the road to Washington State. That's one of those under-the-radar games that I 100% have circled of what's Arizona going to do at quarterback. I think Arizona's feisty. Uh, There's a chance Delora is back this week, but Fafita has played really well. Washington State's opened it like as an 8.5-point favorite. That's one I'm circling, man. Mm. I think Arizona's fight. They got a chance to to pull some upsets here going forward. I don't think I'm not not, you know burying the Cougs for one bad performance, but this is a get right spot because after this week, if you lose at home to Arizona, then you got to go on the road to Otson. Maybe you're staring at four and three, and all of that goodwill or excitement kind of goes out the window. You win this weekend, you lose to Oregon, you're at five and two through seven games. You don't play USC, you don't play Utah, you still have a chance to maybe win eight or nine games this year. But this is a this is a must win for Washington State this week.
1: Washington State is tenth in the conference in rush yards per game. Interesting little note. Do you know who's ninth?
2: In rushing yards per game? Yeah. God, who are the bad rushing offenses? Well, I'll just tell you right now, and this is probably a part of what we're going
1: to see Saturday. Washington. What does Washington do on the ground?
2: Oregon's much more balanced offensively.
1: Well, Oregon is number one in rushing attack. Cal is now second. Shout out to Cal (laughs) offense for what they did. Put up 250 on your beaves, man. My my Beavs are third, (laughs) and then UCLA is fourth. Even USC, which we think of as Caleb, 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 like Marshawn Lloyds looked amazing as a transfer in. Their running attack is fifth. I think that's the thing with these two teams. Penix and Washington do it at a much higher clip. But when you get pressed or the passing game is in a struggle, can you win a game on the ground? Exactly. Washington State, we know the answer to that. Washington, I think we know the answer, but maybe they're able to prove us wrong if Oregon's secondary and defensive line can get to Penix, cause some turnovers, make it a little chaotic for them in the passing attack. I just – in the same way we talk about Lincoln with defense, I think it's kind of this way with rushing and and passing, right? Right. Less balanced teams tend to find themselves near the top. Now, it's not to say you can't have an amazing player throwing the football and still win. Washington was amazing last year. Can you get by when you're bottom of the rung in offensive production most of the time? I
2: tend to believe you can't. You need balance and Washington State just doesn't have any. Yeah, it's one of those where if you take away the strength, do you have another way to beat a team? If you have an off day with what your strength was. Washington State's strength undoubtedly throwing the football. It had a really bad day on Saturday. They had nothing else that they could lean on to help them get that win, especially on the offensive side of the ball.
1: I was surprised to see them not maybe put Cam in – uh, quicker hit situations yep. to maybe build confidence, right? Like, get his rhythm going a little bit. Yeah, to yeah. get it, get him feeling a little a little good about himself. They, they came out from the gate, struggled. That UCLA defense is no joke.
2: We had a lot of fans tweet us the Josh Pate poll when he released it because he had UCLA ranked ahead of Washington State, very angry, saying Josh Pate knows nothing about college football. Didn't really age well, so I just want to point that out. Quickly. We also
1: didn't get any <laughs> so, tweets from those same people. They told no. us he doesn't know football. <laughs> Washington
2: State loses UCLA. We haven't had a tweet yet. No, nobody, nobody oh, tweeted yeah. us on that one. Um, I do want to get to the MLB playoffs. Both of your teams could be eliminated today. How do we feel about Whoa. that? It could happen. It's only. Oh a no, it's right. It's a best of three. No. That's right, Touche. Best of three. That's how out on the baseball playoffs I am right now. Are you in agreement with me? We'll get to that coming up next on the fan. Well, I got to admit something to you guys. We're in the trust tree. Maybe we can get to this more as the week goes on. Sure. I have maybe watched a total. I'm going to ballpark it here, say 23 minutes of the baseball postseason so far. Uh, Yeah, okay. I was sitting around Sun River. I think they started last Tuesday, right, where the game was, I believe? Uh,
0: Wild card, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, four sweeps.
2: I watched a couple of minutes of the opener of the Texas and Tampa game. That was the first game on TV, and we were just sitting around the house, and I was like, all right, we're going to go for a walk, and then I totally forgot about the rest of the games, and they both were over the next day, and it was like, okay, that's it. And then baseball does the genius thing of not fixing their schedule around football. So they then decide to start their divisional series with four games on Saturday. Mm. I had two screens going of two different football games all day. I didn't have any room for baseball there. Yeah. There have, I believe, been 14 total playoff games so far. I hope my math is correct on that. You know how many one-run games we've had? Not very many. One? One. No. Yeah. Yeah. One and until last night, we did not have another like a losing team win a game in a series until Minnesota won last night in Houston. Because as you pointed out, nothing but sweeps in the wild card. The Rangers are up two zero on Baltimore, and we'll see if that continues in your guys' series today. But Minnesota became the first team to at least lose a game in a series and then win a game in a series. Yeah, I mean it's it's lacked drama for sure.
1: I think you know we have these moments in sports. Allow it a little more time if it's Arizona and Philly in the NLCS, or if it's. In, <laughs> Atlanta and Arizona, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Arizona's clearly winning that series. The Dodgers look like a... We've already buried the oh, Dodgers. Yeah. After we were, yeah,
2: The on. Braves are fine, but let's bury the Dodgers. Well, I, I said the Phillies. They I won 104 know if, games yeah. this year. The well, Phillies might be the best team in the National Andy League. The Max
1: Freed to be big today. <laughs> and I'm nervous about that because Zach Wheeler absolutely was dealing the last time he His was His postseason
2: ever. numbers are nuts.
1: I've said it before, man, and you can't accuse me of just suddenly being scared. I told you guys all year. And I got, I got flack for it. I told you, if the pitching, if they can't touch the numbers, this hitting can go into lulls because it's home run or bust for a lot of them. And here we are. They're down one, one nothing. And I honestly believe this. To my core, I believe there's only one team that can beat the Atlanta Braves. And it, unfortunately for them, is a divisional foe with as much swagger and cockiness as they muster. I don't think anybody else can. And they're sitting here with a bad matchup today with Wheeler on the mound and Max Freed. I hope to God he pitches well, <laughs> because if they don't, you're going to be down 2 nothing. But I'm largely with you here. Outside of my team. Yeah, you're fired up for your team, obviously. I'm not interested in any of this.
2: I, Baltimore, I'm kind of keeping an eye on, but then they went down they 2-0. Horrible. They were down. They gave up like a grand slam in the third inning. It's like 9 to nothing. I'm not watching that. I think baseball has a problem. Yeah, I think baseball has a little bit of a problem right now. We need some tight games. We need some good lengthy series. Maybe both of your teams win today, and you're like, all right, now there's a little bit of drama at least, but if you both lose today, it's 2-0. Look, my team in the past has come back from an 0-2 hole, so it's not undoable, but... I just give me something to be excited about and interested in and sweeps are not doing it. Are you interested in any of the teams remaining? I think that's the other part of this. I'm going to watch the game today cuz it's not I mean the second game will go head to head with football but that Philly Atlanta game at least is before that kicks off Yeah. and it's Green Bay Vegas and I like yeah that <sighs> football game sucks. But going head to head with college football like no you're not getting my screen time man I'm sorry. There's hmm. too much going on it's too good of a weekend. It's a good weekend of college football though. It's a great weekend. Uh hey by the way shout out to you for getting off the schneid and springing the line. Congratulations. <laughs> I got two wins. You got two wins this yes. weekend baby. We're back. You're Red hot and rolling going into another week. Still not confident, but let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good little show. If you miss it, go check the Service Patriots podcast, 1080thefan.com, at Dirt and Spray, at 1080thefan on Twitter, wherever you get your podcast, We'll have it all up, a reaction to everything that happened over the weekend. We will talk to you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Thanks so much for being a part of our Monday. Colin is next. You're listening to 1080thefan. fan. Bye.